Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to Pathways to Rural Prosperity. I'm Shelly Pash, your business specialist and ecosystem builder for Kansas Main Street, working through Economic Vitality Point, and I will be your host today. I am joined by the incomparable Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, hosted by Network Kansas. Don, my gosh, you have worked in this field of community economic development throughout North America for more than 40 years. I mean, you're, what, 45, right? Right, right. (laughs) With that deepening focus on entrepreneur-led economic development. And today, we are talking about the ground game. Hello, Don. Welcome. Hi, Shelly. And, you know, it just means that I'm getting older. Been having some great exchanges with Chris Gibbons, who founded Economic Gardening. He's working on a project to capture the last 50 years of entrepreneurship. And this Friday, I'll get to talk to Jay Kane, who was at the Kauffman Foundation and provided our first funding for the Center for Rural Entrepreneurship. So anyway, having a chance to talk to some of the folks I've had the opportunity to learn from over the years. And so that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I'll look into that one for sure. I'm sure you'll put that into a podcast. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Be like, just so you know, we're going to sneak this in. All right. Well, we will kick it off in E2's paper called the E2 ground game, you capture what you call the quote unquote heart of any high impact entrepreneurial ecosystem. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's really important and it's kind of subtle. So people go, okay, yeah, I get it. (laughs) And then it doesn't really seem significant. But in so many ways, the ground game is all about this process of the community taking the time to reach out, talk with their entrepreneurs, discover where their entrepreneurs are developmentally, what their needs and wants are, and then help them network to resources. And we think that's really important that that's the leading edge of any entrepreneurial ecosystem is you got to go talk to your customers. You got to go talk to the folks you want to help. And then you got to figure out, do we have stuff in our community that we can bring to our community that can actually help them in their effort to build a better venture? And that's why we call it the heart, because if you're in insurance and you want to be successful, you got to develop your list and you got to go talk to people and you got to sell insurance policies. You're going to have to people at some point. Exactly. And of course, this is what we tell entrepreneurs is you can be passive and responsive and wait for people to come through your door or enter through your website, or you can be really smart and say, how do I go out there and energize new customer bases that create opportunities for me to be successful? So it's the same advice to a community as it is to an entrepreneur, and it's so important. It is very important. Communication is all about it. I always feel like that's the number one whether people are trying to get information about your business when you're like, I've been here for five years. How is this not happening? 
And you just have to communicate, over-communicate. Even though you think you're over-communicating, you're really not. <laughs> you're, you're not. Exactly. They'll hear it eventually. So you talk about working with entrepreneurs first and then building out communities, resource ecosystems. And you call this, if I recall correctly, demand-driven entrepreneurial ecosystem building. So why this sequencing of community focus? Well, clearly at E2, Shelley, we have a knack for terminology. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm like, yeah. how can I acronym this down to something? D-D-E-E-B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter, but it is important. And so, again, this idea is... And this is rooted in just some really tough experience. A lot of the grant-funded entrepreneurship ecosystem building initiatives that we've worked with across the country, you know, the Economic Development Administration, USDA Rural Development Foundations, a whole list of folks have funded initiatives. And most of those started with saying, okay, we think we know what entrepreneurs need and want. So we're going to go out and build a product and service line based on what we know. And then lo and behold, they start working with entrepreneurs and nobody's coming through their door. There's a mismatch. And so if we go back to the ground game, this idea that the first thing we should do is do our mapping of e-talent, then do our targeting to say, who do we want to do outreach and then engage in that proactive process of actually going out, making contact, seeing if that entrepreneur will sit down with you. And of course, you can do this in business to business events. You can do it one on one. There's a lot of tactics that you can use to do this, but you're going to begin to learn, okay, this is where our community's entrepreneurs are. And maybe they don't need an exotic 12-week course on how to be an entrepreneur. Maybe what they need is just some help to network to a CPA or a bookkeeper to help them get QuickBooks up and running sure, because they're sure. not very good at... Be a good connector of the people, right? Exactly. <laughs> connector of the dots. I'm actually wearing dots today, so I'm the connector <laughs> of the dots. <laughs> and when a community does that and they actually learn from their entrepreneurs, their particular entrepreneurs what they need and want, then they can begin to say, okay, do we have those resources in our community or available to our community? And we always make the case that for most rural communities, 70 to 80% of all the needs and wants that their entrepreneurs have can be met locally through local business services, mentors, other resources. Maybe there's nobody in the community that knows how to do human resources or consults in that area. But if you got a school and a hospital, chances are there's an HR person there who's HR willing person. to sit down with you and say, yeah, you really should pay your federal taxes on time. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to do that because we don't want to connect you with what the next step would be if you're not doing that. Exactly. And so that's what demand driven is, where the entrepreneurs are telling us what they need and want. And that way we can build an optimal entrepreneurial resource ecosystem that really taps back into our local resources first and then begins to reach out to those that might be available regionally or statewide or nationally that in that case where somebody really needs help with intellectual property protection. Well, chances are the local attorney can't really help with that, but there's probably a resource at the law college or at the state's business development center that the community can network that person to that more specialized resource that they maybe only exercise once in a year. But 
they can exercise their networks to find the right resource at the right time that helps that entrepreneur move forward. And listening, listening, listening. That's the biggest thing too. You can ask the questions, but you have to listen. I can't go in and say, this is what you need. To a point, you can, because we've worked in this, but you have to listen to hear what they want or what they need to fill that need and fill that gap for them. Exactly. And whether you're using volunteers or a hired navigator or concierge or business coach, strategic listening is important. And you you absolutely get it, Shelly, because you've done this. And there's two parts to that, though, that I think is important for our audience to remember. One is listening very carefully to help that entrepreneur identify what are their needs and wants, but also maybe to help that entrepreneur prioritize and sequence that. Because entrepreneurs tend to have two attributes. One is there's a million things I want to do, and there's a million things I have to do. And that can be overwhelming. It can just result in this kind of shotgun behavior. Who's ever working with that entrepreneur can maybe help that entrepreneur say, okay, you've got 15 things on your list that you need help for. Let's talk about how we can help you in the next 30 days. What's the next thing we should focus on? And that's really important because it not only helps the entrepreneur focus on what's most important right now that could really add value, but it also then helps the community say, we don't have to address 20 things. Let's see if we can help them with this one or two things that are top of mind, top of list, that would really make a difference. And that adds rationalization and efficiency and optimization to these interactions. Absolutely, it does. In being able to focus on those, just focus it and make sure that it's top priority. There's always going to be musts and wants, but do the priority first. Absolutely. And that's really helpful because entrepreneurs tend to be creative people and creative people are wonderful, but they tend to have a lot of stuff kicking around in their head. Right, exactly. (laughs) There is a lot of things that just spark from all of these. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I hear you. So in the E2 paper on the ground game, you talk about pull and push strategies, push and pull strategies. What's the difference in those? So to use some other words, pull strategies, and I'll illustrate this, Shelley, really relate to being responsive. We have capital in our community that if you're an entrepreneur and you come to us, we can help you with gap financing, for example. So that's a pull strategy. Having a cost-sharing technical assistance and mentoring program is another pull. So, So these are resources that are there. But the push strategy is core to the ground game, and that's the proactive side. We're not just waiting for the entrepreneur, but we're actually going out there and turning over stones and finding opportunities. And I think a recent story, we've talked about Caleb Pollard in Ord. Caleb was one of the first entrepreneur coaches in our experience as the economic developer in Valley County. And then he opened his brew pub and became an entrepreneur and was successful with that. And now that he has a successful business, he's back being an entrepreneurial coach. And he's actually working with multiple counties anchored around three communities, his home community of Ord, 
another community, Broken Bow to the west, and then another community to the north, Valentine. I've been to Valentine. Yeah, Valentine's <laughs> beautiful. People, when they think of Nebraska, flat. Right. Not a lot of topography. Go to Valentine and you'll get a different image. It's it just beautiful. that Niobrara River Valley is drop-dead gorgeous. But he started in June of this year. And within 90 days, he was working with almost 50 entrepreneurs. Oh, my goodness. And part of it was in each of those communities, he had a group that said, let's do mapping, let's do targeting, and then I'll take that list and I'll start doing outreach. And if you know this person, drop them a note or give them a call and say, I'm coming. Sure. Those introductions can be really useful. And that's what the push strategy is all about is we're not going to wait for people to come through our door. We're going to go out and begin to talk with them and find those opportunities that we can help them. And of course, when you do that, you generate a buzz on the street. These entrepreneurs talk to other people and other entrepreneurs and say, you know, Caleb's a good guy. He's been through this. He knows what it is to be an entrepreneur and to start and grow a new business. And he's a good listener and you can trust him. And that's gold. Yeah, that is the biggest thing too. Yeah, it's the trust factor because now you have a peer that has said, I trust this guy and he's done it. And yeah, that's his story. And he can help you. And then I'm sure they were all scrambling. I want to get in. So in a great ecosystem, you have both pull and push strategies. You want to make sure you got stuff that can help entrepreneurs, gap financing, technical assistance, mentors, programs, etc. But you don't want to just wait for people to come through your door. You want to be a smart entrepreneur and go out there and build customer base. And that's what Caleb's doing, Justin, who is an entrepreneur in Klamath Falls, Oregon, he did this really well and then said, hey, I really want to focus on my businesses. And so they're now in the process of hopefully hiring a new, they call it an entrepreneurial concierge, which is uh, yes. a neat term for- Connector of the dots. Exactly. <laughs> You've been in a resort where there's a great concierge who makes that stay remarkable because they can get you connected to the right experience, the right restaurant, the right person to take you on that personal tour or the landscape you're in. So important. That is super cool. Oh, I'm going to have to reach out to Caleb now. <laughs> Caleb is doing amazing work. He is one of my shining inspirations, and he's making a difference in these landscapes. That's fantastic. Always great to hear that, whether it's an ecosystem coordinator. I like to say concierge a lot better, though. I'm going to have to start using that. We're making it happen. <laughs> so I also saw in the ground game paper in the resource one of my favorites that you were acknowledging, Ernesto Ciroli's enterprise facilitation as being a strong influencer for E2's approach to working with entrepreneurs. Now, I can sit and listen to this guy forever because he's just got this incredible Italian accent. He's very likable, very knowledgeable. So share a bit about Ciroli enterprise facilitation and the connection with the entrepreneur's ground game. Yeah, and I think part of it is just acknowledging who brought you to the dance. And as you get older, and I've got this project with Chris Gibbons on the history of entrepreneurship and working with Tom Lyons, another legend in with the Entrepreneurial League system who's putting together a book and asked me to write a chapter. And so I was reflecting on this. And I remembered our early work in Kansas. And so before there was a network Kansas, 
Patty Clark, who you know, was then at the Department of Commerce. I think it was Governor Sebelius, who was your governor. And the Department of Commerce supported Zeroli Enterprise Facilitation Project. And of course, that's where I got to meet Jack Newcomb down in Southeast Kansas. I know Jack Newcomb. And there was an Enterprise Facilitation Project. I think there was eight of them that were seated across the state with commerce support. And that's really where I got to know Zeroli and Yvonne and other folks. And Eric Pages, Eric with Entreworks out of DC and I said, okay, you probably don't want this, Patty, but we want to do a baseline study of this project. (laughs) (laughs) And Patty said, fine, if you'll pay for it, do it. We'll support you. And so Eric and I spent a week visiting all these sites and really began to learn about enterprise facilitation. At the heart of enterprise facilitation are these facilitators, the Jack Newcombs of the world. And as we reflected on this, this is what we're talking about with the entrepreneur concierge or the entrepreneur navigator or the resource networker. Zeroli, long before we were using these other terms, had this at the heart of a ground game in enterprise facilitation. And so that's caused us to really go back and say, what were the lessons that Ernesto and enterprise facilitation taught us? And we brought that forward into our ground game paper because I think this was one of the first initiatives that said, you got to identify entrepreneurs and you got to go out and talk to them. And you actually created a professional position called the enterprise facilitator. I loved it then. I love it now. The only difference between the Zeroli model and our model is Zeroli said, you got to wait for the entrepreneur to come to you. In our case, we're saying, no, be proactive, do your targeting, go out there and turn over those stones, find those opportunities to help. And it's saying that'll work too, but the other, like you said, be proactive. And I love you recognized who you brought to the dance, who brought you to the dance, right? Exactly. And I think that's important because this has been a collective development and learning process. So many people, including yourself, have shaped this field, have graced us with what works and doesn't work. And what we've tried to do at E2 is just capture this stuff and then share it back. And hopefully we've added some insight along the way. But For sure. boy, this work's all been pioneered by people like Zeroli, but in communities, people like Jack and the team in Southeast Kansas that were part of that project who made it happen and changed the economy for the better because of this work. And now I can say I knew them when. <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap up the podcast episode, share a good story on the ground game and action. I know you've got many, but now I'm gonna put you on the spot and go, okay, pick one. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna actually reflect on a hometown and I'm not gonna say which hometown, but it was an early project and the ground game was being activated by local volunteers because pretty small, pretty rural area. And so they were out visiting with people. And so there's two parts of the story that are powerful. The first was they were talking to the local plumber, the only plumber in this town, and he was getting older. And he said, you know, I think when I reach the end, I'll just close the business, have a going out of business sale, and the community will be without a plumber. And folks said, well, you know, there's these two young men in the high school who have indicated to the guidance counselor that they want to be plumbers. 
And so the community connected this plumber with these two young men and he helped them get their schooling. And one of them actually came back and took over the business. That's awesome. So somebody got to come home, somebody got to be a plumber and this business, this legacy of this man and family's work in the community was continued. And that's what happens when you take the time to talk. And they didn't lose the plumber. The second story is a business owner who had expanded and it was during a time of high interest rates and had taken out a balloon loan. And for those of you not familiar with that, you have a pretty easy road until that balloon payment comes due and then you've got a massive payment. And they had the conversation with this business owner and his wife, and this was an essential Main Street business. And he said, I'm at my wit's end. The only way out I can see is to take my life and to get the insurance policy that would allow this to all get settled because his thought of defaulting on that loan was just unfathomable to him. And the people talking to him said, there's another way out. And they connected with the local bank and they restructured the debt and they helped this business person and their family work through what could have been a tragedy. Right. And Today, this business is thriving and serving that community. So these are kind of dramatic examples. Trust me. For sure. Most of these engagements aren't nearly that profound, but it illustrates what happens when you reach out, you open that door, you have that conversation, you begin to build trust, and then that entrepreneur opens up to you and says, I don't know how to do accounts receivable and my customers owe me $60,000. And they go, oh, we can help you solve that. We've got that. Yeah, there's a bookkeeper in town who knows how to collect unpaid bills and let's get you connected. This is so important in those stories, Shelley, just speak to the power of the mundane and the profound outcomes that can happen but these entrepreneurs are out there doing their best, struggling, but sometime that ability to talk it through with somebody who's trustworthy, has networks, can make a difference between a business that struggles and fails and a business that figures out this stuff and thrives. Absolutely. So when those people are hired, whether they're the entrepreneur, concierge, the connector of the dots, the main street directors, the economic developers, you can't sit behind a desk and a computer to do that. I mean, granted, that's going to be part of it, but you have to make sure to get in and you're walking the streets and you're getting in there and you're talking to the business owners. And I'm not saying that happens every day, but sometimes you do get into that mode where you're like, okay, I'm doing this. And you've been out, whether if it's in your local community or if it's across the state or the region, you just have to get out there and talk to them and listen to what they need because that trust, that's the only way that you're going to get that. You're not going to get that through an email. You're not going to get that through a phone call. You can relay to that a little bit afterwards, but they want to see you. They want to talk to you. They need somebody to listen to the challenges that they're having and be able to talk about the successes that they're going through as well. We actually provide onboarding, formal training, mentoring, peer groups. We're getting ready in our projects in Oregon and Nebraska. They're going to be hiring these entrepreneur navigators. And so we're getting ready and updating our support system because 
again, this is important, but one of the things we recommend is that whether you're full-time or part-time, it's a 60-40 cut. You spend 60% of your time not in the office, but out there making these visits, building that relationship, listening and learning, and then networking to resources. And then you spend 40% of your time actually following up. So if you said, I can connect you to a bank that can help you with a bridge loan, then you want to follow up as quickly as you can and call the banks and say, who wants to work with this person? I'll make a hard referral and get that done. Because the last thing you want to do is go out there and meet, talk, listen, promise, and then not follow up. And even if the answer is, I don't have a resource that can help you with this, but I can help you with this other topic you brought up, that's okay. You're honoring the relationship. You're keeping faith with the entrepreneur, and you're going to build reputation that will allow other entrepreneurs to come through your door that you can work with, help, and in turn, build a better economy and society in your community. And you need to make sure, too, you don't always have to have an agenda when you're going and visiting everybody. Sometimes it is an agenda like, hey, can you tell me what you've spent on your building or what rehab has been going on? What new product line do you have? That's fine. But other times, and I would try and do this on Fridays when I was in the community, it was just a quick stop by just like, hey, how's it going? No agenda whatsoever. What a great topic this was today on The Ground Game. <laughs> See, it is kind of exciting because it touches people's lives and creates opportunity for them to have greater success and a better future. Yes. So share how our listeners can learn more about the E2 Ground Game. You bet, Shelley. Of course, there's our regular resources, our website that has a lot of free public domain resources. You can join our E2 National Practitioners Network and access all of our E2 university resources, including those that can support your navigator and the team that's working with your navigator that's so important to the ground game. Of course, our monthly E2 newsletter and uh, these podcasts. But for this particular podcast, we're going to share with you our new paper, the E2 Ground Game that goes into greater detail about how this piece within a high-functioning entrepreneurial ecosystem can really help you help your entrepreneurs and build a stronger economy and society in your community. Yes, indeed. And free, free, free. So, Don, thank you again. It has been great to have you as a guest. And all our best to you and your efforts to grow a stronger rural community one community at a time. Thank you so much and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm-hmm.